So uh, anyway, Father's Day is going to be a lot of fun. Looking forward to it. I will have a good time for you if you're a dad. Uh, today we're continuing in Luke and we're looking at Luke 9, the last section of the chapter. And we're talking about prophets, proclaimers and plowmen. So uh, let's have a look at that passage here. Luke 9, and let's read it. End of chapter 9. Luke 9, 57 to 62. So, as they were walking along the road, a man said to him, to Jesus, I will follow you wherever you go. And Jesus replied, Foxes have dens, and birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has no place to lay his head. He said to another man, Follow me. But he replied, Lord, first let me go and bury my father. Jesus said to him, Let the dead bury their own dead, but you go and proclaim the kingdom of God. Still another said, I will follow you, Lord, but first let me go back and say goodbye to my family. Jesus replied, no one who puts a hand to the plow and looks back is fit for service in the kingdom of God. So three similar incidents here, uh, brought together, either they happen sequentially like that, or Luke brings them together to put them together to make a point here, we don't know, but there, there's something going on here about following. What does it mean to be a disciple of Jesus? So we're going to talk about these three things here today, about being a prophet, a proclaimer, and a plowman, or plowwoman, uh, of course. Uh, so uh, that's what's going on here, and these people uh, seem to be interested in following Jesus. Um, the first one uh, says he will follow, and the third one says he will follow, and the middle one Jesus calls to follow, but clearly he's in the company of people around Jesus, so he must be interested in following. So these are people who see something interesting in Jesus and uh, want to find out more. Let me ask you, if you could spend a year with anyone living in this world, a year, and everything else taken care of, so you wouldn't have to worry about your job, your boss would have your job for you when you got back, you wouldn't be financially disadvantaged, your pension contributions would continue, somehow people would take, things would be taken care of with everything else in your life to your satisfaction. Okay, let's just imagine that scenario. You can pick any one person, and you can be their companion for a whole year, uh, full access, 24-7, right? You could just be with them. Who would you pick? Who would you pick? Barry? My wife. Oh, that's cheating. <laughs> but it's the correct answer, your wife. Okay, alright, alright. Well, okay, I'll allow it, alright. Uh, outside of, uh, of family members, okay, uh, anybody else? Who else would you, might you pick? If you had a choice. Uh, a gentleman in South Africa called Angus Buckland. Angus Buckland, why, why would you choose him? Because um, I listen to him regularly, um, I've read some of his books, and uh, he seemed to be very patient, calm, and collective. Mm. Things I need to learn. Okay. Excellent. I think Barack Obama. Mm. Mm. Yeah. No, just, he is just strikes me as an incredibly amazing man. Um, yeah. And I would love to know how he does it. How does he do it? Excellent, thank you. Yeah, I can imagine that would be fascinating. Anybody else? 
You'd pick? I'm quite interested in the Queen. <laughs> uh, because we have, you know, we have this sort of very public sort of image of her. But I'd like to see what she's like with her family and behind those closed doors. I'd be really intrigued. You know, with all the pomp and circumstance removed. How she is just as a grandma and a mum and with her corgis. <laughs> with the dogs. The yeah. queen, yeah. Just the real woman behind the title. Wouldn't it be fascinating? Yeah. And, and her, but also the other things, people Absolutely. she meets, places whole, she was born. Yeah. It'd be show. amazing to have that privilege, wouldn't it? Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Somebody mentioned, um, uh, you mentioned your chap Buckingham as someone who's written, and I, I would love to spend a year with, with Max Lucado, mm. uh, a Christian writer, yeah. who just writes all the stuff that just inspires me a lot. I think, is his life really like that? Like his books, is it? I mean, I, if it is, I'd really love to see how that is, how that works. There are, there are coaches I'd love to spend a year with. I mean, the current coach of the England rugby team, who just won in Australia for the first time ever, won a series down there, Eddie Jones. I'd quite like to spend a year with him. How does he just do that? How does he motivate? How does he inspire? I think that'd be fascinating. I don't know about his personal life, but I would love at least that part of his life. Wouldn't that be amazing to see someone like We've probably all, all got some people we'd be interested in spending some time with. I think uh, Dan would probably like to spend some time with Lewis Hamilton, since I know you love cars. Uh, wouldn't that be fun just to be around F1 for a year, or um, Barry has an interest in that, or... And there are different people who are brilliant at something that we, it would be great to spend some time with. The world's leading authority on this, that, and the other. I thought of mine. Go on, then. Ed China. Ed Chandler. Oh yeah. I don't know who he is, but this is, this is probably on a TV called Wheel of Dealers. Oh yes. yes. So he gets old cars and does them up. And he's a big tall chap. He's got a degree in engineering. He's really clever, but he's just brilliant. He just get the car. I could, if I had to do that job for every day for a year and spend time with him and learn stuff, that'd be awesome. I'd come with you. <laughs> he is an astonishing person. Yeah, astonishing. Yeah, yes. 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 Done so much you wouldn't realise as well, but like things like the motorised sofa that was on Top Gear. It's a design loads of stuff, but it's also mechanical as well, but it's just a normal brain. But also a nice chap as well. Comes across nice, yeah. It's interesting because in fact our choices here don't all resonate with one another. Yeah. <laughs> right? Because we've got different interests. Um, and there are lots of people we might admire. And the thing is about Jesus is he's not the world's leading authority on some area or other. He is the world's leading authority on everything. Yeah. He is the one and only. He is the Son of God. And so when we come to him, we should come with him with a greater fervor, excitement, and desire to follow him than anything else, anyone else, because of who he, he is. And so what we're seeing here is, is people wrestling with what it really means, and Jesus helping them wrestle with what it really means to follow him. What does it really mean to follow him as opposed to just listen to him, believe in him, or follow him on our own terms? Because if he is who he says he is, then he sets the terms here. So let's talk about these three things. First of all, the prophet. Um, the first chap here says, I will follow you wherever you go. Doesn't that sound great? I mean, that's like sign him up. If someone says, I'll, I'll follow you, or I'll become a Christian, I don't care what it takes, I'll just do it. We'll all be very excited, right? And I'd have thought for Jesus, you know, he's got a lot of opposition. He's got the Pharisees giving him a hard time, the teachers of the law, the Sadducees, the Pharisees, and all these other people. T 
tough times, some, some the Samaritans, he'd just been through Samaria, they didn't welcome him. Lots of tough things going on. This fellow says, I'll follow you. Forget the Samaritans, don't worry about the Pharisees, I'll follow you. My temptation would be to say, excellent, we welcome you on board, great to have you here. But Jesus instead says, foxes have holes, birds have nests. Son of man, I don't have a place to lay my head, I don't know where I'm sleeping tonight. An interesting reply. What's he trying to get across? What do you think he's trying to help this person to understand? Given that I'm sure he's not trying to be negative, he's not trying to give the fellow a hard time for the sake of it. So, what's going on here? No hole, no nest. Yes. There's a cost following Jesus. There's a cost, yeah. There is. Which the person may not appreciate. May, may not have, they may have been naive, perhaps. Yeah. Anything else? Foxes. I guess the holes or the birds' nests are their homes, it's their habitat. Mm -hmm. And so Jesus is saying his home is not worldly, his mm -hmm. home is heavenly. Okay. okay. Good. Yeah. By, by focusing on where he might sleep and where he might stay, what is he touching on in, in, in this man's life? In particular. Comfort, Comfort. Yeah. rest, security. I mean, when our children went to university, the, we didn't give them a lot of money. Um, but what we did do is we guaranteed them we would pay for their accommodation. If you've got to sort out how to pay for your uh, electricity bill, uh, or uh, your phone bill rather, you've got to figure out how to uh, feed yourself. But we'll pay for your accommodation, and we did that because we didn't want them to be insecure about where they're going to sleep that night. There are lots of funny, strange things that happen when you're starting something new, you're away from home, we'll pay for the accommodation. So that's, that's what we did. There's that sense of security that we all like to have. Whatever's happening in my life, I can go home tonight. Isn't that a great feeling? You're on a tough day, you can at least go home and be home. And I think he's touching at even that basic level. I can't guarantee you security. I cannot, cannot guarantee you that kind of uh, uh, comfort and safety. Presumably this fellow has good intentions, um, but he needs to know that following Jesus is less like following a rabbi and more like following a prophet. See, in the Old Testament co context, which they'd have understood, um, the, the, the prophet had a dangerous life. Uh, Jeremiah got stuck in a, in a pit with, in, in, up to his knees in mud. Um, uh, others got arrested, imprisoned and killed. Um, it's much more like that with Jesus. It's more like following a prophet. So following a rabbi was costly, but you, you had some security, and it was for a short period of time. Following a prophet, much more dangerous. And I think that's what Jesus is getting across here. Uh, you're not going to be part of some a big community. It's just a few of us. There is no pay. Prophets only got a little bit of donation from people here and there. They, got no, they weren't like priests who were supported. They weren't like the Levites who had ways of being supported. A prophet was kind of on his own. And a prophet, of course, had to prophesy if necessary, not only against the people, but if necessary against the priesthood, if necessary against the whole people of Israel, if necessary against the king. And a lot of them, of course, did. So they're going to be unpopular. Prophets just were unpopular. They brought the message of God to a people who quite often didn't want to hear it. So we're following a prophet more than a rabbi, in a sense, is what's going on here. I think he's testing his faith. I, I'm going to provide you with what you need, but it may not be exactly everything you want. There's more what's going on here. 
I think it reminds me of Hebrews 11. If you want to keep your finger in Luke 9 and turn with me to Hebrews 11. These are old covenant examples, but I, it, it's what I think of when I think about this kind of lifestyle that Jesus is saying, if you're going to follow me, you're going to adopt this um, lack of security. It's, that's part of the package here. <clears throat> Luke, uh, sorry, in Hebrews 11. About the great um, heroes and heroines of faith, we come towards the end of the chapter in verse 32. And the writer says this. <clears throat> and what more shall I say? I do not have time to tell about Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah, about David and Samuel and the prophets, who through faith conquered kingdoms, administered justice, and gained what was promised, who shut the mouths of lions, quenched the fury of the flames, and escaped the edge of the sword. His weakness was turned to strength, who became powerful in battle and routed foreign armies. Women received back their dead, raised to life again. There were others who were tortured, refusing to be released so that they might gain an even better resurrection. Some faced jeers and flogging and even chains and imprisonment. They were put to death by stoning. They were sawed in two. They were killed by the sword. They went about in sheepskins and goatskins, destitute, persecuted and mistreated. The world was not worthy of them. They wandered in deserts and mountains, living in caves and in holes in the ground. Holes in the ground. They, these were all commended for their faith, yet none of them received what had been promised, since God had planned something better for us, so that only together with us would they be made. Holes in the ground. Jesus says, I can't even promise you a hole in the ground. Foxes have holes, but follow me anyway. Whatever. So the first thing we see here is uh, the issue of the, the prophet. No nests, no dens, just follow me like you're following a prophet. Let's talk about the second one. Then the second chapter here, Jesus invites to follow him. But he replied in verse 59, Lord, first let me go and bury my father. Appropriate uh, on Father's Day. Let me go and bury my father. Jesus said to him, Let the dead bury their own dead. But you go and proclaim the kingdom of God. So I've got to ask the question. Doesn't this seem harsh? Mm -hmm. A bit unreasonable? What is Jesus driving at here? What does he see in the heart of this man? Maybe we wouldn't have seen. But what do you, from his reply at least, what do you think Jesus is seeing in this man's heart? What do you suspect is really going on? What is Jesus trying to communicate that must be a positive message? That's the only kind of message that comes from Jesus, even though it's painful, but something positive. What, what is he getting at when he says, let the dead bury their own dead? But you, go and proclaim the kingdom. We're talking about the proclaimer here in this passage. What do you think? Any ideas? I think it possibly was a bit beyond just making sure the person was buried. Maybe there were some ceremonies or some things mm -hmm. that would have taken a lot of time, maybe mm -hmm. a lot of effort from this man. And yeah. Jesus was just trying to get him to see that those things aren't 
as a haunting house. Because okay. if I think of what it involves in Nigeria to bury someone, there's so much that is unnecessary and unnecessary waste of money, unnecessary waste of just so much involved that really could be done without. So maybe it's that tradition required, not not just burying the person, but all those other things. Maybe with all the ancillary add-on yeah. extra things involved, it would have been too much of a distraction. Yeah. Not appropriate. Okay. That's a great point. Any other ideas? Patricia. I think for me what it means is um or I think it means, I'm not sure really, but when I read it back I think um, about, you know, dead people are dead, you know, that's kind of, they've passed a different life now and the focus for, for this man has to be to proclaim the kingdom of God and to actually do God's will on while he was on earth, you know, this was the important thing, while he was still on earth, he needs to go and proclaim, proclaim the kingdom and I feel like Jesus is always focusing on the juggler, he goes straight to what is important and that was what was important and that's what he had to get him to focus on, mm -hmm. this, is, this, is, this is his mission. And that's what you should be focused on first before everything else. Okay. Priority of the mission is something. Something's going on here around that, isn't it? There's, I think the question is whether he's a, a true follower or a hanger-on. Perhaps that's why Jesus calls him to follow. Because he himself won't volunteer himself. He says, follow me. And maybe at that point he's able to test where this man's heart is. There are various theories about the burial issue. Uh, one theory is that, of course, if the man's father had died, he wouldn't have been there. If he'd had the news, he'd have gone straight away. He wouldn't, he wouldn't ask permission of somebody else. He would just go. That was, burying your own father, uh, any relative, but especially your father, was seen as, as being more important even than the festivals in Judaism. So you could miss Passover to do that. I mean, that which is just incredibly... Uh, hard to believe if you understand the significance of that festival, and it took priority over going to the synagogue and everything else. So it seems to indicate maybe this wasn't, maybe he already knew his father was dead, maybe it wasn't that day, maybe it was previously. Possibly it wasn't when he'd actually died, it was a year later, because a year after the burial, you'd go back to the burial site, take the body out, take the bones, and put them in a different box called an ossuary. And that was the secondary thing that you did, and that wasn't urgent, that's possible. Or um, maybe, maybe he's just trying to find a way to get out of following Jesus. And he's, that's the most significant thing he can think of. My dad died, I've got to go. Uh, I, I will follow you, but. Mm. Wouldn't even be there in the first place, would you? Dad, you wouldn't have thought so. It's a bit strange. You listen to Jesus instead of time. I think the way Jesus interprets it, anyway, is that the man is testing him. There's something going on there that is testing Jesus. He's not really asking a question. I think he's really making a demand. Is how Jesus interprets it, at least. And Jesus knows this man's heart. It seems that spiritual needs take priority even over physical ones. The mission takes priority over our other priorities, it seems. Because he says, you go and proclaim the kingdom. I mean, Charles talked earlier in our communion about Angela Best dying and I, I went to see Klein this week and we spent some good time together and we, uh, we cried together and we prayed together and I remember you know, we talked about studying the Bible years ago, 25 years ago, we were doing Bible studies and he became a Christian 
Um, ten years ago or so, uh, I was down in southeast London marrying him and Angela. We talked about those times. And, um, and it was, you know, it's tough to say the least. Um, she's, she died younger than I am now. Um, it does make you think about your mortality, as Sean said. And I'm glad to be able to go to the funeral um, a week. Where are we now? Not next Friday, or well, the Friday after, it's the Friday after that. So I'm glad to be able to go to the funeral, and Glyde's asked me to take the funeral, so uh, that's a great privilege uh, mm. to be asked to do that. Um, and so it's not that, I don't think going to a funeral is what Jesus is to say, don't go to funerals, or don't care about people, don't care about your family, I don't think it's his point. There's something here in this man's heart where he doesn't understand how important the mission is. And I think that's helpful for us to think about this. There are things we should do in life and take care of, but does the mission have the priority it should have? Does our outreach and our love for those who are lost really have the priority it needs? Only you can answer that, you know, we're all in a different place. But do we really grasp that and understand that? Let's finish off by talking about the plowman. Any of you done any plowing? Not with animals. Not with animals, with a tractor? Yeah. Yeah, he does some plowing with a tractor. I've driven a tractor. I kind of like plowing a couple of times, which is great fun. It really is good fun. Tractors are brilliant. I really wish I had a tractor. Do you know tractors are really expensive? Yeah. Incredibly expensive. I mean, they restore them, you know, like in China. <laughs> well, I just, oh, you figure that out, don't you? You know, there's a, there's, a, there's a garage actually on the Rickmansworth Road that I go to sometimes. And in the yard, they, they're restoring tractors. And they've got these little ancient tractors. And you see them driving them around every now and again. However, that's not the point. Plowing. Um, you've got to plow in a straight line, right? Um, you try to uh, ride a bicycle looking backwards. What happens? You fall off it pretty quickly, right? You can't do it. Um, I sang at my uh, niece's wedding recently. As some of you know, my niece Emma, there she is with her new husband, Rick. Um, a great wedding, had a lot of fun. She asked me to sing during the signing of the register. I sang a couple of songs. Um, and one of the things about singing and playing guitar and any kind of music, or even acting, is you can't be singing some words and thinking about what you just sang. Did I sing those words right? If you're thinking about that, you're going to mess up what you're doing and the next line and the next bit of music. You can't. Am I, did I play the chord right? Uh, did I play the piano right? I mean, we always make mistakes. I made some today. Charles never makes mistakes, but I made a few mistakes today. Um, it's okay. I don't like making mistakes. But if I'm thinking about a mistake, I'm going to make more mistakes. Right? You, you've got to look forward. I think Jesus is saying, you've got to look forward and not back. Who looked back in the Bible? That's why. Did he do her any good? <laughs> no, let's say he didn't do her any good, or nor my family for that matter. We've got Elijah and Elijah parallel going on here because Elisha said to Elijah, first let me go back and say goodbye to my family. Remember that in 1 Kings 19, you could look it up later. And uh, he's going to follow Elijah, but and Elijah, of course, was just on the mountain, wasn't he? In, in, earlier in Luke 9, so we've got that connection here. So uh, he, Elijah said to Elisha, you can go back and say goodbye to your family, but Jesus is this guy who can't. So there's a higher priority here in following Jesus than there is even over a prophet. I think he's talking about focus here. Where's our focus? Is our focus really on Jesus? Are we admiring him, and, uh, honoring him, being impressed by him, learning from him, asking how we can be more like him? Are we focused on him rather than on other things? To be like Jesus is what we see sometimes, right? To be like Jesus. All I ask to be like him. 
all through life's journey, from earth to glory, all I ask to be like Him. Mm. You know, we sing that, we mean that, but now and again, we need to think about how much we really mean it. Mm. How much is really deeply in our hearts. We made a decision, some of us recently, like, well, like Paul and Joe here, some of us uh, 10, 20, even 30 years ago, and we, and we talked about singing, I've been redeemed of baptisms, another one is, that's often sung is um, uh, no turning back, right? I, yeah, I have decided to follow Jesus, no turning back, no turning back. But following is an ongoing focus on Jesus. It's not just I decided it and it's done, it's okay, I'm staying focused. And I think at least, there are many things in this passage, but at least one of the key things is Jesus is saying, you're focused on me now, are you, are you fully focused on me now? Okay, then stay focused on me, then you can become more like me. And we can have the impact in the world that we're called to have. Following Jesus is costly. Following Jesus is challenging. There's no two ways about that. The promises and the rewards are great in Luke 18. It talks about us receiving a hundred times what we give up. Some of that will be in this life. Some of it will be metaphorically, symbolically in this life. And some of it will be in the next life. But we receive those promises when we stay focused on Jesus Christ. Uh, whether we're following him, understanding him to be a prophet. Following him, understanding our responsibility to be, to be a proclaimer. Following him, understanding that we're staying with our hand to the plough, looking forward, not looking back. If any of these thoughts have been helpful to us today, I would commend you to think about it, pray about it today, tonight, this weekend. Take the heart of what God has shown you from this passage today. And to God be the glory. Amen. Amen. Amen.